Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I've been thinking about this Mary Cosby 7-Eleven controversy for an entire week now, and I've come to a realization. When I see a group of people outside of a convenience store, I make sure I go to that one because I like being catcalled. You know, you get that good sense of confidence when you walk by and you hear somebody yell out, what's up, big booty? You like, who, who me? <laughs> what, this old thing? Oh, oh stop. Stop! It's your weekly reality roundup episode of me and you, the housewives and Marvel 2. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. This is, of course, Kendrick Tucker, also known as the season ticket holder of pop culture, a.k.a. your mama's favorite black geek. And I'm sitting here trying to record a new episode, and I feel like all hell broke loose on social media. (laughs) There was so much went on from the time. I don't even know what I'm going to end up covering on this episode, there was so much just went on this t- entire week because everyone's been ablaze about this Potomac reunion. 
everyone has been in my phones asking me about Drew Sedora and her husband and him going away for three days. Everybody's been asking me about the Bachelorette. It's a lot to talk about. I damn near didn't watch Salt Lake City because it was so much shit going on on social media that I damn near forgot. I'm going to do the best I can. Y'all always stick with me. I appreciate you. Just just go along for the ride. We got a lot of shit to cover. I'm going to talk about it all. But I do have a random thought for you. Coffee and love tastes best when hot. We won't won't stop. You know what, Ashley? I was thinking about you too this past week. Even though you pissed me off and I'm getting your ass later. Don't worry about it. I think that, you know, you and those goat vocals, I think the problem with the song, with your vocals, with you, I think the problem is maybe you need a baritone or something singing underneath you. You know how, like, the Clark sisters, you know, it was Dorinda, uh, uh, Karen, and Twinkie. You know, they had they could hit them high notes, but, you know, Jackie would always be underneath with the look. Oh, 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 what he's done for me. You know, she would always be under there with the low note. You know, that little baritone. Oh, oh, oh. You know, Jackie, she she she, she did what, what needed to be done every single time. See, Ashley, maybe you're not just a bad singer. Maybe you just need a little help. Maybe if you can get somebody with a real deep voice, get a, call Marlo Hampton in Atlanta. Maybe she can come and do a little, you know, yang, yang, yang around the house. She can sing a little, you know, her voice deep as hell anyway, deeper than anybody I know. Call her or Luann maybe. Luann a little closer to you. Call Luann. Not, not close, close, but you know, proximity wise. Hell, I don't know. I actually don't know geography that well. So let me uh get off that line because I'll be fucked you up. I hate you spending more money you need to spend. Listen, you just need to call like the ghost of Maddie Moss Clark or call uh Hezekiah Walker or call somebody, you know, maybe Jackie Clark, you know, she, her and Twinkie, maybe they'll come over there and they'll do something for you. But I'm sorry, that's the most random shit in the world, but I've had that song. Y'all have been talking about Ashley's goat vocals all week long for some reason. I think it's because Candace read her ass at that reunion about them vocals. Now, Ashley, you knew better. I'm not even talking about Potomac yet, but you knew better. Don't, uh, <laughs> if somebody says something about your vocals, baby, you just got to take this shit because, <sighs> Ashley, that, me, me and you could be in a singing group together. Now, I don't know if that's a read or <laughs> a read or a compliment, but we could be in the same group together, and I don't think we're going to sell one goddamn app. We might buy one, but that's because Michael Darby felt bad about cheating, so he bought a couple of albums. But besides that, anyway, let, let's talk about The Bachelorette. So if some of y'all don't know, this was a two-episode week of The Bachelorette. Now, look, if you tuned in on Tuesday, not knowing about Monday's episode, you were probably so goddamn confused. You were like, why the hell is there only four people in the house when uh, last week it was 17? Because, look, Tasia wasn't playing with y'all asses this week. Tasia was clearing it the hell out. I'm talking about Tasia was, can I have? Can I talk to you? Left and right. Anytime Tasia said, can I talk to you? Then you'd already know it's time to go home. You know, she do that little baby doll boy. Can I talk to you? No, you can't talk to me. What the hell you got to say to me? I'm not going no damn where you brought me all the way out here. I've been quarantined for, for three damn months. And now you talking about some, can I talk to you? No, you can't talk to me. 
Look, the first thing we learned is that Chris Harrison is back from his little mini ass vacation. And my only question is, did you quarantine? Cause Jojo was only there for a week. If you left, took your son to college and came back, you didn't have time to quarantine. See y'all nasty in that motherfucker. You didn't quarantine and, and Tasia doing all this kissing that she doing. I don't know what it is about normally. I feel like if I watched a normal episode, like season of the bachelorette, I wouldn't be as off put as I am during 2020 coronavirus with seeing all of these people kiss on this show. I don't know what it is, but it grosses me out now. He didn't quarantine. Tasia doing all this kissing. Let me tell you something. The La Quinta is about to be filled with, with coronavirus, mononucleosis, uh, and scoliosis. If you getting your back cracked by all the men, and <laughs> if you getting your back cracked by all the men at that hotel, let me stop you. I know you ain't, you ain't, you ain't doing all that. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know what y'all doing after hours. The way uh, Dale snuck back in Claire room that one time and that man was in there still on a date. I don't know what the hell y'all do after them cameras go down at the uh, at the La Quinta, at the La Quinta, at the Jaquita. I don't know what the hell y'all in there doing. Blake, after being on this show the entire run, finally gets a one-on-one. And that man was erect the entire time. <laughs> Tasia looked so goddamn bored on this date. And the fact that she still sent his ass home after he was fully erect at one point on this episode, she must not have been impressed. See, Tasia, I didn't got on your ass about this before. That's You weren't impressed by uh, Blake's package, but see, you sent Easy home. You sent Riley home. You sent Damar home. Okay, let me stop. Y'all see all them had one thing in common. Let me let me quit now <laughs> before some of my white viewers write in. You <laughs> you evil bastard. Look, I'm I'm just look. We all got stereotypes. Okay, let me stop because <laughs> I'm gonna get on them stereotypes later on in this episode. When we talk about that goddamn Potomac. She sent Blake the fuck home and then had the nerve to cry as she walked him out. I would have been like, if you don't let my motherfucking hand go, unhand me, bed wench. <laughs> and then she had the nerve to drop down into a crouch and she cried as the SUV was driving off. Tasia, you need to be on Broadway. You could be the next uh, Dana Jones if they ever bring back uh, Dream Girls to Broadway. Now, see, you the right color and everything because, you know, Beyonce. Oh, let me stop. <laughs> see, I'm, let me tell y'all something. This damn Potomac reunion had me so fired up about this colorism issue. I was putting in jokes about color throughout this whole episode. Y'all had me so goddamn mad. And I'm wondering if y'all know where I fall on this issue. But don't worry, because I'm damn sure going to talk about it. Taser, you need to be on Broadway all that damn acting and crying and stuff you was doing out there. Will your dream girls, boy, will make you happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be right on Broadway with them. And then you already wear them uh, 1970s Diana Ross, uh, uh, Gladys and the Pip ass dresses, ball gowns and shit you be wearing. You need to just... Uh, Tasia, if you can't tell, I'm, I've been a little mad at you. I'm not going to lie. I feel like you've been playing in a lot of these nice men's face. I feel like you've had the best crop of guys. The, like, I Now, okay, granted, I've never watched another season, but you've had the best crop of guys in Bachelorette history, according to other people. 
And I feel like you've been playing in a whole lot of people's faces. See, that's why I've been recommending your ass for Broadway and all this other stuff. I'm going to get off you at some point, but no time soon. So after all that, I guess she was in a, a cutting mood like an emo teenager back in the day listening to Fallout Boy. And she was tired of y'all shit. This time, it was Riley. Now look, I'm not going to tell y'all again. Tasia don't want no black man. I've said this week after week after week. Now, I've told y'all it's not an issue, but I feel like you've kept these black men around this whole time for the sake of optics. And that's been my issue because one, I didn't see you winding up with one of them anyway. But, you know, my favorites have always been Ben and my favorite at some point became Zach, too. I'm not sure when, but then I always thought that her and Brendan look good together. But see, I've been kind of skeptical about Ivan because of the whole black. He mixed, but, you know, I don't know. He black like this, not like this, you know, I don't know. But anyway, now she set her targets on Riley. Now, look. She took Riley out there. She did, you know, she did her number again. Can we talk? <laughs> Can we go outside? Can we talk? They went outside. She started giving uh, him that long soliloquy, that uh, long diatribe, that Shakespearean speech. She did that. Uh, you remember when uh, Lady Macbeth was going crazy and she was walking, <laughs> and she walking around there with uh, shit all in them. Listen. She went out there and Riley looked like he wanted to go off, but he held it in. He acted like a strong black man at the end of all this. See, he acted like one of them strong black men that saves the strong black woman at the end of a Tyler Perry play. Like, you know, he, he was kind of like, uh, who was that? Shamar Moore that had them bad braids. And I, <laughs> what was the movie? Was it Diary of a Mad Black Woman? See, he acted like that. You know, he kept his composure throughout the whole thing. He let her say what she needed to say. And then once again, once she put his ass in that SUV, she broke down on them knees again. Them, I'm telling you, them knees going to be ashy by the end of them her doing all that uh, crouching and crying. I might uh, name the episode that crouching and crying. <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Tasia, goddamn. <laughs> oh, let me stop because folks will think I'm racist. I don't know what the hell is. What the hell is Tasia? She mixed with black and. Hell, child, I don't even know. We're going to say black and white. What is Tasia mixed with? I don't know. Anyway, she down there and once again broke down on her knees. Somebody got to get her some, some Eucerin or some CeraVe or some Jergens or something. I don't want her to be ashy like that. But she sat there, she did all that crime, but then she regained that composure uh, quick as hell when it was time for that damn rose ceremony. The guys go and get dressed in their Sunday's finest, and they walk over to the rose ceremony in the cocktail hour. And in walks Bennett. Where's Bennett? There you go. I heard you bitch was looking for me. Bitch, here I go. Here I go. I don't know if that was mystical or cash doll. I was just singing just then. They both got a child close enough. We're going to go with mystical. Here I go. Here I go. Chris Harrison walks in and tells them people, look, Tasia says she ain't trying to do no damn cocktail party. She brought Bennett all the way back there and sent his ass all the way back home. Now, ain't that some shit? Now, see. Y'all know I'm low-key beefing with Tasia, but that shit was so petty, it was kind of hilarious. Noah's uh, lip-chin ass got sent home, too. I don't know why I keep saying Noah's lip-chin ass. 
it's just something about that damn mustache, even just the thought of it, even though he shaved it. I'd, I'd, I'm not okay with that mustache. He got sent home too. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh, you are, you are an awesome God. He reigns. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad cause Noah, you was there to play. You weren't there to get married. No way. So Tasia, you did the right thing. You saved the four that you needed to save. Even though Riley wasn't a part of you, you did that man wrong. You was playing in that man's face. You, you did Damar wrong. You was playing in his face. We go, uh, <sighs> We're going to let it slide, though, because you got an amazing top four. So we, I'm okay with you, okay? we I'm going to let you slide right now because I'm okay with the top four that you have. Those are all fantastic guys. So we I'm going to let you breathe, okay? I, I've been real hard on you these past couple weeks. I'm going to let you breathe for like the next oh, five minutes. But then after that, I'm probably have to go in on your ass again because, Taze, you be doing a lot. And I didn't realize until this episode how much your laugh annoyed me. But I really do love you, Taze, with your annoying-ass laugh. Oh, I just... Oh, oh Jesus. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not going to really talk about the Men Tell All episode. It didn't really give what needed to be gave, to be honest. It was mostly just the dudes that <laughs> that all just went home yesterday. Hey, <laughs> you know, Tasia cut half of the house yesterday. So, I mean, it, oh, it wasn't really much to talk about. I mean, damn, they had they had just talked about the shit twenty four hours beforehand. So there wasn't much to talk about. The best part, really, or maybe not the best part, but the the biggest part of the episode was when Yosef. Do y'all remember Yosef? Yosef showed up. And Yosef still can't take accountability for anything he's ever done in his life. Him and that same raggedy ass Jerry Curl showed up to the men tell all. He doubled down on all of his actions, the way he spoke to Claire. The the crazy thing is I had damn near forgotten about Claire and Dale. Every now and then Dale pops up on my Instagram timeline and I'm like, oh, Oh, hey, Dale, I, who are you? Okay, that's right, Bachelorette, okay. I've forgotten all about them people. I feel like Tasia's been here a long-ass time, even though she only had 20 men. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But anyway, Yosef showed up. They all pretty much take turns going in on him. He doubled downs on everything. Someone said, well, would you be okay with somebody talking to your daughters like that? He said, yep. If my daughter's acting like that, you need to uh, humble her, do whatever you need to do, Yosef. <sighs> it's at a certain point, you just don't want to be liked. I feel like being the villain is better than not being known at all. And I feel like you're really okay with that. And if that's the case, do what you do. You know, if you get an Instagram followers off of it, if you can get, uh, you know, a flat tummy tee, uh, uh, a promotional or, uh, you know, a little bit of promo, go, go for it. You know, at the end of the day, we won't remember you come next season, unless you're trying to do bachelorette. What is it? Bachelor in paradise or whatever that shit is, which I I mean, that makes sense too. If you can't be a middle of the road character, be a Kenya Moore or a Giselle Bryan, be remembered. So I, (laughs) whatever, Joseph, hell, you're not my cup of tea, but I don't drink tea. No way. And you, it, to be quite honest, you kind of, you give me green tea energy and green tea, the worst kind of tea. If you go give me some tea, give me some sweet tea. And I don't mean no sweet tea that y'all be making where y'all 
distill the water and all the no i'm talking about some sweet tea so goddamn sweet you might have to get an insulin shot after you drink this i'm talking about so sweet that it's damn near thick like molasses i don't want no damn uh green tea like yosef call me sweet tea ken i don't want none of that but yosef i hope you get your skin tea uh uh, promo and you know get uh, enter yosef on www.skintea.com for 10 percent off and he get that little bit of piece of uh commission i ain't mad at you yosef do what you do let's go to hometown weeks so those of you who aren't familiar with hometown week it's where on the bachelorette when you get down to i'm guessing it's always four guys maybe when you get down to four guys and traditionally, you know, outside of 2020, outside of coronavirus, outside of a whole damn national pandemic, international pandemic, but we seem to be all the ones going through the shit right now. <laughs> it's when you go back to meet some of the guys family, you go back to their hometown, you spend time with them. Apparently that couldn't be the case this year because like I just said, we're in the middle of a damn pandemic. They set up their own hometowns there, basically putting up some uh, signs and background, you know, backdrops at the La Quinta and then just doing something. And then their family will come there to meet Tasia. Brendan is the first one to, you know, kind of transform the La Quinta into his own hometown. He's from a super small town, so he sets up kind of like a carnival type situation with his niece now you know the easiest way to anybody's heart is to bring children into it that's the oldest trick in the book everybody supposedly loves kids <laughs> you see i don't have any hell everybody loves kids so he gets her you know she giving tasia hugs she oh, i can't wait till you're my auntie and you know all that kind of cute shit that kids do that i can't stand the highlight of this carnival was brendan dancing though I couldn't tell if he was serious or if he, you know, if he was in on the joke or what it was, but Brendan was trying his hardest to get down, baby. I'm talking about get down. He was down the, the, the twirling and twerking. He was a, a, a mix between the city girls, Kenya Moore, gone with the wind, fabulous. And, uh, who is Sonia Morgan? When she drunk, it was a lot going on, but listen, you think he gave a damn about what y'all thought about his dancing? Nope. That man danced his ass off. It was giving Tyrone Biggums. You remember Tyrone Biggums when he was on Fear Factor? I can't eat all of it. He was giving that kind of energy. But you know what? It was a lovely vibe. Y'all seemed to enjoy it all. So it seemed like a very successful uh, kind of little introduction into your hometown. So we'll give you big ups for that, Brendan. So hometown weeks, there's always a like a kind of, I guess, day portion, but then there's an evening portion too. So later on in the evening, we get to meet his brother, his sister-in-law, and then we see the niece again. I know for a fact, I'm not the only one that thought Brendan's brother looked like Ed Helms at first. Now y'all know Ed Helms, he looked like a much tanner he was tan as hell. A really tan Ed Helms, a.k.a. Andy Bernard from The Office, a.k.a. whatever the hell his name was in The Hangover. I kept focusing on that the whole time. Even when he laughed, I was like, oh, my God, this is the creepiest shit I've ever seen. You look just like Andy Bernard. You know what? They had some good conversations with her. But overall, Brendan is really open with his emotions. 
you know, he really puts it all out there. He wears them on his sleeve. I think he's a great choice for her. You know, he's not my first choice, but he's definitely, he would have been in my top four for her uh, from the get-go. Because I still remember that first date that he won with her. The chemistry they had was freaking phenomenal. They both have divorces under their belts. They both seem to be very, is feeling the word? Very much people with the feels. They were both, you know, people with the feels. And I think he's my second choice for her. Now, when I'm ranking these people, I'm ranking them because my number one choice gets his ass booted out the house because he can't feel feelings. But that's a, a conversation for another day. Let's move on to the next hometown, which is Zach. Zach takes her to quote unquote New York. He starts off by teaching her how to hail a cab which is super funny because you know damn well if y'all are in New York and it's the two of you, you got to be the one to hail that cab. Listen, Tasia, I don't, her, I don't care how cute you are, how much leg you're showing, you, the man you with going to have to get that cab because, uh, <laughs> uh the, the, listen, look at the color of your skin now. You know, <laughs> you know them folks don't want to pull over. They're like, oh, hell no, nah, you ain't about to. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm going to get, listen. I get closer and closer to getting canceled every single week on this damn podcast. But you know damn well they ain't stopping for you, Tasia. You know, I've been in New York. I go to New York at least once a year because I have a best friend that lives in New York. Do you know how damn hard it is to hail a cab in New York? Ooh, it, it It's always him. I'm always on the sideline like uh, like I'm a bad bitch waiting for somebody to pick me up at a club. I never, I'm never the one getting the cab. He's always doing And then I'm like, you know what? This taking too damn long. Let's just call it uh, an Uber. And then in New York, when you call the Uber, they got to find somewhere to pick you up from. Ooh, it's a mess. And I don't know how the hell I got on this subject, but I said I'll let to say, uh, put your leg up, Tasia. They ain't picking you up. Later on that evening, they are greeted by like all of Zach's parents and grandparents, and they came deep in that mood. Zach's dad was not playing with Tasia. He wanted some answers, and he wanted them right goddamn now. He said, don't play with me. I've been playing with motherfuckers since the beginning of time. Don't play with me. He said, where does my son rank amongst the other guys? Tasia gave him a storybook Harry Potter answer, and his dad was saying, that's cute and all, but that ain't what I asked you. <laughs> I said, where does he rank amongst the other guys? Does my son not ask you that? She said, well, no, you know, we just, we don't really talk about the other guys, and, you know, we, we you know, we, we just focus on us and all like that. So, no, it's not really important. Zach's dad was like, mm, all this bullshit. Cut to Zach talking to his mom, and he finally details that he's actually Falling in love with Tasia. Oh, how wonderful. It's cute. It's lovely. Oh, my God. He realizes he's falling in love with her, and he's realizing that everything he told her he didn't want, he actually wants. Now he wants marriage. Now he wants kids. Now he wants the picket fence. That is like the quintessential person in their 30s realizing what life is all about. I can't tell you how many of my guy friends have realized in life, like I've never wanted that, but now I want it all. I have one friend who, whose wedding I went to earlier this year. He, for the past like 10 years, was adamant, maybe even longer than that. How long? I've known him for a while, was adamant 
that he never wanted to get married. He never wanted kids. Now, see, my opinion about all that has not changed. <laughs> but he is, suddenly I'm getting invitations to the wedding. I'm like, oh, she broke you down. She broke you down. You getting married. Okay, I'm coming. Do I need to buy a groomsman suit? Nope. Oh, okay, what well, damn. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to still come anyway. Zach realized he wants all of this stuff now. And that is why Zach is my choice for Tasia. I don't know what it is. But when the two of them are in scenes together, I just feel like, I don't know. They've always kind of been, they look good together. I like seeing them and I don't know. I feel like he's gone through so much. So he knows exactly what he wants in life. And he's become the person that he's supposed to be. He's my choice for her. That's a grown ass man. He's very in touch with his emotions. And it seems like his family is in the background rooting for him and for Tasia every single step of the way. Zach, you should be with Tasia. That's my pick for next week, and I ain't changing. Just like Nene, I ain't changing. Ivan is next, and Ivan cooks for her. He pulls out another cheap trick, and you know he gets his young niece involved too. His fine-ass brother's daughter. Um, You know, they had a blast. Tasia seems to be genuinely enjoying her time with Ivan. But y'all know how I feel, so I'm... Uh-huh. Ultimately, his family, you know, gives their approval about everything. And then, Ivan's brother Gabe. The one with the teardrop tattoos. And the slick hair. And them nice clothes. And them nice shoes. Woo child. Gabe comes in there. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Gabe comes in there. Yes, God. Yes, God. Gabe comes in there. And you know, Ivan is just over the moon. Oh, <sighs> listen, I was about to sing a song just then, but I <laughs> probably only two people from this podcast would know what the hell I was talking about. I'm going to keep that to myself. Ivan was just happy to see his brother. His brother said, you are glowing. I've never seen you glow like this. You seem genuinely happy. Tasia even got to talk to him. She said that Gabe seems like an amazing guy, despite his past and all this kind of stuff. But y'all know how I feel about Tasia and Ivan. I don't know if she's going to pick Ivan. I don't know if she's going to pick Ivan. I hope she Ivan seems like they seem like they are, of everybody, seem like they're the most compatible so I would love to see her pick him like I genuinely would. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Oh, boy. I just don't know if that's going to happen. I'm, I'm kind of stalling with Ivan because I don't want to. I don't want to move on to Ben because, oh, y'all know Ben has been my favorite since the beginning. You know, I call him Ben with the big feet. He's been my favorite. Oh, this part of all of this in the episode just just crushes me. Let's move on to Ben. Ben takes her skating around the Laquita Resort and Spa. I be Jaquita, Laquinta, uh, uh, Narnia. He is supposed to be Venice Beach. Look, this is the saddest shit in the world because Ben is like my favorite person on TV. I'm not gonna lie. He is so complex, but he can't express his emotions and it ends up being his biggest downfall. You know what? The one thing I hate about Ben, though, he wears those shirts with the neckline that makes him look like he has a super tiny head. 
but he got big feet, so it's okay. Tasia, <laughs> they finally, you know, Ben's, uh, what is it, his sister, who was an Iron Chef, on, uh, you know, she's Iron Chef, but she was on one of the seasons of Top Chef, and I can't remember, her name was Antonia, that's about all I remember, look, I, I didn't even recognize the lady at first, my mama just wanted to be over here, she walked by and said, oh, that's the Iron Chef, I said, who? She said right there, that's in, I said, that's Ben's sister. She said, no, that's the Iron Chef. I know her. I watched her on uh, Food Network. You think I'm about to sit up and argue with that lady? No, I'm not. She says she on there. I, I believe it. Look, my favorite part of this was when his sister says, you love her. And he says, I don't know. And she says, no, that's not a question. I'm telling you, you love her. You love her. He stops and he thinks about it. He comes to the realization that, holy shit, that is wild. I do love her. He says, I just don't know how to say it. And after that, all the shit just goes left. Tasia waits all night for Ben to finally express himself to her and tell her that he loves her and he doesn't. She is visibly upset by it and she walks off. He grabs her for a kiss before she leaves and doesn't say anything else. He immediately realizes, he said, in true Ben fashion, I fucked up again. It's just wow. He has been pretty honest this whole ride. He's always said, look, I don't know how to express my emotions. One of my favorite things about him, he had that quote where he said, it was way early in the season. Shit, Claire might have been there. I don't know, but <laughs> I we just go Sectasia was there. Hell, we don't acknowledge Claire anymore. He said, I have all of these emotions bottled up inside of me, but I just don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to express them. I don't know how to say them, but I do have all these emotions. Chat, we haven't seen it. I mean... It's definitely possible that he has them. <laughs> I believe he has them. But, you know, when they were having these moments, he didn't cry. He didn't show, you know, audible excitement. He didn't show any kind of physical depression. I don't know. It's weird. And what's super weird about it is, obviously, you know, we've, you know, with obviously with him having attempted suicide twice in the past, we know that he's dealt with at least depression or something before. Cause I think he's openly admitted that and has said how aggressive he is with his therapy and stuff. You would think that after all of that, after overcoming all of that and sorry, I'm, <laughs> when I record these podcasts, I usually have my TV going in the background because otherwise it's just like too void of anything going on. And right now I have the fail army app on and it's so much going on in this TV. I'm going to have to end up cutting this shit off while I'm talking about all this serious stuff. But you would think that when someone like, I mean, you think that someone has been through all of that and has gone through so much of that kind of therapy would really know the price or I guess not the, price, the benefits of expressing his feelings. And so it's weird when someone like Ben doesn't still can't really do that. It's sad. I mean, at the rose ceremony, Ivan gets the first rose, then Zach, then Brendan. Tasia asks to walk Ben out. You know, he looks odd, you know, 
he looks like he's sad, but it's just we don't know if he is because, you know, it, it's been. It's it's the saddest thing in the world. It's so sad. You know, she basically takes him outside to see if he'll give her the opportunity to, uh, you know, she gives him the opportunity to just say anything. Say what's on your mind. Tell me something. What's going on? He can't do it. It makes me wonder about his past. Like, I'm wondering, was he raised somewhere where boys weren't allowed to cry or what it was? I'm interested to know his relationship with his dad. I don't know if he's ever said that on the show. He probably did. And my ass was eating a bologna sandwich or so. You know, you you know me. I'm I'd be eating some drink. My best friend called me tonight and I was drinking eggnog. He was so goddamn disgusted with me, but I like eggnog. I put it in the freezer 30 minutes before I drink it. It's the best stuff in the world. Don't judge me. And I got some Biscoff cookies too. Listen, if you ever go on a flight and you do like me, like a Delta flight, I make her give me every Delta Biscoff cookie on them. And now they sell them at Kroger 10 for 10, the packs. Ooh, it, it, when I tell you it's so many Biscoff cookies in my house, this ain't got nothing to do with being. I don't know why I brought this up. But if you take them Biscoff cookies and dip it in some eggnog around the holiday time, man, oh, man, you, you want your life changed? That'll change your life right there. Ben gets in that SUV. You know, she good for sending the motherfucker out in the SUV. Ben gets in that SUV, and it is just the saddest thing in the world. Ben doesn't know what he... I, I feel like he a train hit him, and he doesn't know what the hell happened. He's just looking like, I blew it. It was my fault. Like, he recognizes it. He knows. It. He's like, I. this was all me. It's the saddest thing in the world. I hope we get like a switcheroo next week and he comes back. I hope he pulls a Bennett <laughs> and he comes back and he just expresses all his love. But this time it works. Now, I don't know who she going to take out of her instead of him, but that ain't my business. That's that lady business. We got two episodes coming up next week. Lord have mercy. I have started devoting four hours a week to the Bachelorette. Who would have thought it? This is some stressful ass shit. You know what? The door is closed on The Bachelorette for this week. I've talked about y'all way too damn much. Closed. Let's go over to Atlanta. I'm going to structure the way we talk about The Rare Housewives of Atlanta a little differently this week. I, you know, we, we got this big introduction of two new people. One is a, a main housewife and the other one is a friend of was supposed to be a housewife, but I'm guessing with, you know, the husband not wanting to film and all the kind of stuff, she got nixed and then, whoo, that's, that's all she wrote, baby. So I want to kind of just talk about this episode in relation to just those two characters. You know, we've seen, you know, we know Portia uh, was making it back from Kentucky after being arrested with uh, the Breonna Taylor protesting and, uh, you know, meeting Tamika Mallory, you know, being out there with Tamika Mallory and meeting Breonna Taylor's mom and, you know, those kind of things. We see uh, Cynthia basically not doing shit, I don't think, but she, she was kind of the connector between the two housewives. So, you know, she gives us a lot of candy, uh, dealing with Riley and graduating and all that kind of stuff. So let's just take it in terms of the new housewives. Let's talk about Latoya Ali first. Now, I didn't watch her on YouTube, 
My cousin says she annoyed the hell out of her on YouTube, which is why she says she refuses to watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta this season. I mean, I kind of don't blame her because Latoya, I'm not going to lie, even though I'm, I'm super happy to, uh, you know, get some fresh blood and everybody says you bring it this season, uh, you kind of annoying, hell. She's Trinidadian and she loud. She got three kids and a husband that she lives with, but they're getting separated uh, we don't get a real like kind of full introduction. We only get to see her peripherally. Like we see her in terms of Kenya and we see her in terms of Cynthia. And then we see her in terms of Drew towards the end of the episode. So she doesn't get that full kind of, you know, I'm here to stay moment that Drew gets later on in the episode. She throws a whole lot of shade throughout the episode. Some necessary but some just like completely like what the hell are you doing she you know like the 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 stuff about the meatballs at cynthia's house and all the kind of stuff cynthia like you got me fucked up now like look we just met and you know calm down now you you don't know me like that you know i'll be chat well she ain't say all that you know cynthia ain't gonna be nobody here she might kick you in the pussy like she did uh <laughs> She might kick you like she did Portia at one time, but baby, this is she ain't gonna do too much else. We hear that she she received her with her first car from a sugar daddy, and you know she kind of tell she says she used to be a stripper and she met him at the club. Now, see, I I'm not familiar with her on YouTube, so I don't know if that's a joke or if that's you know like really real. I don't know if she was a stripper or not. If she was, you know me, I love strippers, so I, I ain't no thing but a chicken wing on a G string, so. Uh, she was unnecessarily rude at when they finally made it to, what is it? Lake Bailey or river Bailey, wherever the hell you want to call it. Now that shit was funny. She was unnecessarily rude to drew. She was saying like when drew was talking, I don't care about any of that. I just want some wine. Oh, you, okay, girl. And then she told Kenya, the girl looks like she had a pet on her head. Now look, it did look like a flu seagulls had, uh, you know, when she when when Drew pulled up the Lake Bailey, it looked like a few seagulls uh swooped down at her head <laughs> before her ass got there. But but it was cute for her, okay? You ain't gotta talk about that lady uh fucked up hair like that, okay? I thought it looked good. It looked good on her. Everybody ain't got to have that bone straight hair. That girl can do that careless stuff if she wants to. It looked good on her. Leave that girl the hell alone. See Latoya, you on my nerves kinda, but I'ma let you slide for now because I'm just excited to have new people. Let's talk about Drew Sedora. Now, we get our introduction about Drew Sedora from Cynthia, who she met through Eva. Now, if y'all remember, Eva and Drew Sedora did a movie together. I can't for the life of me remember the name of that damn, uh, that raggedy-ass cheap shit they did together. But, you know, it was a cute little movie. You know, it was a little yang-yang-yang around the house. You know, it wasn't, you know, you're not going to see it in IMAX, but it was a good little movie. She throws good shade. I will say that I like Drew Sedora. Cynthia asked that girl if uh if if she knew Kenya from any of her acting circles. Drew said, "Well, no, we're probably not going out for the same roles, you know, because of the age." <laughs> I know that's why Cynthia said, "Okay, no shade." Now, <laughs> Drew said, "Well, you know, I'm usually going up against like you know uh, Megan Good or Natori Nine, you know those kind of girls." Who ch- I, I listen. It wasn't no slanderous shade, but you know, that's the kind of shade when you go home at night, you kind of thinking back like, wait a minute, what did that bitch say about me? <laughs> what she had said? Now, wait, wait a minute, what she, 
What that guy said? Yeah, that, okay, Drew, I see you. Now, look, we like Drew, you know, from the TLC movie. We like Drew because we liked her in White Chicks. But we hated her ass on the game. And that's kind of funny that LaToya brought that up on the actual episode. Because I feel like that's why all black people was like, oh, hell no. Nah. Y'all bringing Drew Sedora on here? Because we still haven't forgiven her for what she did to girl Melanie, okay? You get up out of girl Melanie's relationship. Her and Derwin was trying to make it. That lady was trying to uh, get through medical school at John Hopkins and all that kind of shit. And, you, and here you go bringing your ass uh, Tootsie Roll and all through uh, San Diego flopping down in his lap and stuff. See that, Drew? You need your ass beat. I didn't got mad all over again. I want them to fire you off this damn show. Let me stop. Okay, I liked you on here. <sighs> I like you on the housewives. 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 Okay, I have to talk myself up sometimes because I be thinking about Drew and I get pissed off all over again. Now, look, the funniest thing that happened on Sunday was the Bravo world, like the whole Bravo-holic community out there, black, white, gay, straight, everybody was talking about how much in love they were with Ralph at the beginning of the episode. They had found pictures of him with his shirt off and everything. They were posting them. They were going up for Ralph. By the end of that episode, they were like, oh, I don't nobody want to see that bastard on TV no more. <laughs> they were over Ralph. They weren't trying to hear for Ralph no more. But at the beginning, he was super charming. You know, uh, he was enduring. You know, it, it's just that last scene. Who, Ralph, dude, listen, what we don't like in Ralph, we like about uh, Pastor Jeanette. Now, Pastor Jeanette, I like you. You seem like you don't take no shit, but you also really supportive when people give you something to support. Now, I like that. Drew talks a little bit about her relationship, and she talks about how... She's known Ralph for six and a half years and they've been married for six years. Now, see, had I not been watching The Bachelorette this season, that shit probably would have been crazy as hell to me. But I feel like <laughs> this is so stupid. I feel like I'm be slowly becoming a believer in the power of the six day love affair. Now, you know, they 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 fell in love. They said they can do it. Girl, if Claire can fall in love in two weeks with Dale, why not you in uh, half a year? You know what? I'm a believer now. I believe in everything that uh, your life and uh, Ralph and Passage, I believe in it all. I'm not mad at you. I'm more mad at Claire and Dale than I am at you. Now, before I get to the crux of this episode, the, the crux of the Atlanta episode, which is that conversation between Drew and Ralph towards the end during that little anniversary dinner. Now look, you know, when they give a new housewife, uh, two whole segments of just her to talk about some, you know, that's some entertaining shit. I'm which I look drew. You proved yourself to me. They were trying to say you were boring. Drew. I, I see it for you. You giving the little storyline you got is it's giving what I need. So I'm not mad at you, but let's talk about a few other things before that. When mama Joyce said covert 19, if that ain't an old black person talking, I don't know what is. Black people, let me tell you something. When you reach a certain age, I feel like it's a rite of passage to just put a random R in some shit. I don't know where the hell that comes from, <laughs> but they'll just put an R in any and everything they can find. And I don't, I, I was about to think of an example, but I can't even think of one. 
But the sh- I'd be like, what are y'all? You know what? This is so funny. Why did I just think about Nene at that uh, season four reunion? Well, I think her and Sheree were into it. And she told Andy that she was out in L.A. auditioning. Not auditioning for a role. She was auditioning. When you get a certain age in the black community, <laughs> it is your God-given right to just throw an R out there somewhere. You can be auditioning. You can be washing some dishes, some laundry. You know, you can do all of that. I'm, I'm not mad at you. The other funny as hell thing was when Portia was talking about jail. She said, I came back. She said, when men go to jail, you know, they come back and y'all have cookouts and all kind of shit. I went to jail and y'all ain't gave me nothing. I know that's right, Portia. Even if I go to jail for two hours, y'all better act like I've been gone for 10 years. Goddamn, you better try to put some money on my books and all kind of stuff. Put what's on the commissary. I want to get some Pop-Tarts. I don't want to be eating that cheap, nasty shit that they eat. Let me get some good stuff. I want the uh, the top ramen. I don't want no damn uh, oodles and boodles, motherfucker. The other thing I want to point out is that we got a little glimpse as to apparently what's to come between Latoya and Drew. That whole separation argument what they were talking about, well, well, why don't you just get divorced? I mean, if you're trying to be out there dating and all like that, just get divorced. You're not separated. Separated, you're supposed to be trying to figure out uh, if you want to be with the person or not. I don't know. I feel like people take separation differently nowadays. I was more so of the opinion of Drew. Like, if you about to be out here, like, dating and all that kind of stuff during your separation, you might as well be trying to work through a divorce. Because if you about to be out here dating and all that kind of stuff, it seems like you were just trying to scratch an itch that you couldn't scratch while you were in your marriage. Not necessarily, you know, but who knows? I mean, I'm not married, so I don't really give a damn what y'all out here doing. But, you know, it, it made more sense to me. But it seems like, more importantly, that's going to be the crux of why Drew and LaToya don't get along with each other. Other than the fact that LaToya kind of goddamn annoying. Listen, the best part of this episode was this whole anniversary dinner between Drew and Ralph. Oh, it was you. Now, y'all know my pet peeve. I hate having to give Lisa Renner any unnecessary shine than I have to. But this was the definition of how about some gas, how about some lighting. This was a lot of gas lighting going on. Sitting here watching this conversation, boy, oh boy, it's when, because uh, I'm trying not to say stuff that I can't take back <laughs> once I put it out there in the universe. But that man, his conversation was everything wrong with relationships. The fact that she had to basically beg this man to tell her, his wife had to beg her husband to tell her where he was gone for three days. That shit don't sound crazy to nobody else. The man left for days and wouldn't tell her where she was. Drew was on his ass like back pockets but see she was a little too giggly for me she doing all that you were gone (laughs) see take that laughter out your voice and you'll get the answers you need then you can figure out if you really need to swing on his ass or not see you doing all that damn giggling and stuff i don't know see i called you (laughs) you never answer (laughs) cut all that laughing and shit out i'm trying to uh you need to be like look Put that. See, you remember I told Ashley to get her baritone. You need to get your baritone on. Look, I called you. You weren't answering. I brought you dinner, 
it got cold. Where the hell were you? Then he would have told you. But see, you was playing, so he didn't uh, give a damn no more. Listen, I would have called that man every name but a child of God during that conversation. I couldn't believe he had the nerve to look in her face. And when she asked him, where were you? He kept saying, how will that further this conversation? Why do you need to know where I was? If that's not the, that is the definition of someone gaslighting somebody. I cannot believe he had the audacity as a married man to get mad at his wife for questioning him where he was gone for half a damn week. If that ain't the crazy, he finally, finally admits that he was in Tampa. You going to a, listen, you weren't just at your partner's house. You weren't at the strip club up the street. You didn't go to a, a shot at low funeral. You went to an entirely different state to go to the beach. All these beaches out here and you had to go all the way to Florida. You had to go to Tampa. I, yeah, I'm i floored. That whole conversation that that now that that's the definition of not having to have people physically fight to have me enthralled in a conversation my god i was i was so entranced by this mostly because i couldn't believe he had the unmitigated gall the gall to tell this woman she didn't even know where he was and then had cameras in the house what what is what is happening like are y'all really out here living these kind of lives with people Y'all just got people in y'all house living with y'all. I hope y'all at least splitting the bills with them. Are they at least playing the light bill, the phone bill, Xfinity, AT&T, Memphis Light Gas and Water? Are y'all paying? You got to be paying something if you living up in my house lying to me like that. That is ridiculous. And then you got the nerd to be watching me on some cameras and you big brother all out of state, but you can't answer the phone. That, listen, that's crazy to me. And I'm anxious to see where the hell their relationship goes from this point on. Now, nowadays, they look happy as hell on Instagram. You know, I'm guessing it's almost been seven years at this point that they've been married. But man, oh man, dead. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to see where y'all go. Drew Sedora, I'm fully invested in your storyline and I'm going to forgive you for uh fucking over girl Melanie, okay? The door is closed on Atlanta. I'm moving on to Salt Lake City. Full disclosure. <laughs> By the time Salt Lake City came on, the news had broken. <laughs> the news had broken online that Jamal <laughs> Big Dick Pastor Bryant had went live on Facebook. Now I'm thinking this man is talking about uh how y'all can start donating ties on the internet and all this kind of stuff. This man was addressing the real housewives of Potomac reunion. Now I didn't seen it all. I remember my pastor back in the day, he barely, he could he, he would have to ask us uh how to put somebody's number in his phone. And now we got pastors going live uh, rebuking their name all over the internet. That man invited his whole congregation to watch the show. It was a lot going on. I say all of that to say it was so much going on on social media, Instagram, my DMs, Facebook, everything, mostly uh, uh, pertaining to Jamal Bryant. 
I was half damn paying attention to Salt Lake City. I'm not even going to lie. I pulled a few things that I want to talk about, but it, I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I barely, I was all trying to figure out what the hell Jamal Brown was talking about, and he was talking about a lot. That shit was funny as hell to me. But you know what? Let's go on and talk about uh, Mary and them, because Mary Cosby, even though you blocked me, you bastard, I still find Mary Cosby to be one of the funniest people on TV right now. Mary Cosby is so damn oblivious about everything she says. You can't help but to laugh because the shit is always funny. She said, and I think her name is Charlinda. Charlinda is, you know, the housekeeper we met last week. That's her grandmother's brother's daughter. She said, I don't know anything about her other than what happens in my house, but she's my family. She married like, look, I ain't got time to get to know you now. Well, you in a whole different age bracket. I ain't got time for all that kind of bullshit, but you my family. So if you ever need anything, uh, I'm not going to help you, but you can tell me about that. And then I can talk about you and judge you in church on Sunday. <laughs> By the way, I know, I think I said this on, I did an Instagram live with Oh No Bravo once. And I think I said this then, but I think I've said it on this podcast too. I don't hate Mary's fashion. Now I know that's a hot take. If you, Oh, by the way, if y'all follow me on Instagram, then you've been watching all of my uh, 12 Days of Controversy, my holiday video series. That would have been mine. I don't hate Mary's fashion. By the way, go over there, follow me on Instagram so you can see all of the uh, hilarious uh, controversial videos that have been submitted. That's where I've been reaching out to all of your favorite Bravaholics or favorite pop culture people. And I've been having them uh, tell basically their biggest hot take about either the housewives, pop culture, Marvel, DC, everything. And I've gotten so many good ones. They, The one today, especially people were loving because he talked about Beverly Hills and you know, I have some opinions about Beverly Hills. So <sighs> but tomorrow and every day after it's going to be good because people have submitted some good stuff. But I say all that to say, I, I don't hate Mary's fashion. If we fast forward to, I don't even know whose party it was. I was, I'm telling you, I was half paying attention because <laughs> all of this Jamal Bryan stuff, it, it, I just, I feel like I was just in disbelief. I couldn't, I couldn't believe any of it was happening. But this, this, all this shit was hilarious to me. Mary walks up to Jen at the party, which was the funniest shit in the world. Do y'all remember when Nene? I, I want to say it was season eleven, season eleven when Nene came back. You know, kind of joined the group. Maybe it was season ten. When Cynthia Bailey had her big, like, Cynthia Bailey, uh, I think it was a 50 Cent party, and she had everybody dressed like a version of her, Nene walked over to Portia. Now, what you call yourself being mad about? <laughs> That's basically how Mary walked up on Jen. She was like, uh, hey, girl. <laughs> Jen's like, look, I'm not going to do this with you at this later party. She gonna put both eyes ass out. I'm not doing this with you. Mary was like, look, we can talk about it. Jen like, hell no, I'm not getting put out like you put me out in front of Volta the other day. Volta is still upset about you putting me out that damn restaurant. We not gonna talk about this right now. So I, I assume they said they were gonna table the discussion for another time. 
I don't really know because, again, I was trying to see what the hell Jamal Bryant was talking about. But we're going to assume that. We'll, we'll, I'm, I'm assuming at some point next week, maybe, we'll see Jen and Mary have a sit-down, even though them people hate each other right now. So I don't predict that happening. I want to give some props to Lisa because I'm really starting to like Lisa and Meredith more and more every single episode. And I don't even know why, but I, <laughs> I just like them on this show. They both kind of seem to be in their own world too, but I love both of them. Lisa's theme at Sundance, I loved. First of all, I loved the uh, Macmillions documentary series that was on, was it HBO? Yeah, it was on HBO. That was such a good little series. And I love the theme that she had, where she had all of the like Monopoly McDonald's pieces it's like basically wallpaper and people could come by, peel off their own like little lottery sticker and then get a free item, whatever it is. I thought that was so clever. If I had the money to do that, I would do it too, but I don't. So y'all just go get these little uh, cheap ass party city gift bags that I give you if I ever have a party again, because y'all not about to be coming up in my house, breathing on me during Corona season. So as a matter of fact, never mind, y'all ain't getting shit from me. Okay. The conversation later on in the episode that Whitney and Heather have, I found that super interesting. Heather was saying that no one in Salt Lake City wants her. And that was a lot to hear because she really kind of said it with a straight face. Now, I don't know if, if she's just like Sanders and not an abundance of black men because that's what she wants to date or what it is. But she, it takes a lot of awareness in self-realization to say something like that out loud on TV. Like I, I could not be like, no, I just don't want they ass. She like, no, they don't want me. (laughs) They don't want me. And it's really, I don't know. It's, it's hard to even talk about it because it's, it makes me uncomfortable when people have that kind of, well, I guess I shouldn't be uncomfortable talking about it because Heather got some game. Look, Heather was uh spitting that pimping later on in the episode. She was saying that she feels like her dream man that basically doesn't live in Salt Lake City. He's going to live in a big city somewhere else. And she said that all of this basically stems back to the Mormon church, which I believe. I believe that once you leave it, just like, you know, Scientology and all these other religions, it probably makes your life a living hell. And I definitely believe that. So she feels like her life, you know, she can't have another husband or whatever the case may be outside. You know, she can't do the inside of Salt Lake City then. Child, move. Hey. <laughs> but you say you ain't you ain't looking for nothing but sex. No way. So I ain't mad at you. You know, do what you do, Heather. Get that thing. Don't let it get you. <laughs> Shout out to all my Players Club fans out there, okay? Before we finish this off, let me just say that this this week in reality TV was a lot to handle. Not only did we get Ivan's brother, hey, Ivan's brother, on The Bachelorette this week, we also saw the return of Sharif Jr. on Salt Lake City. Now, y'all know that's Jen Shaw's oldest son. Let's just have a, a quick moment of silence right quick. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a good man. Okay. Amen. Woo! That's a lot to handle. Now, look, y'all were promoting the hell out of Katie and Lala 
being on this episode of Salt Lake City. Now, we all know them for Vanderpump Rules. Not where y'all know them a lot better than me. I don't really watch that bullshit like that. But they made it seem like they were about to be like the focal point of the end of this episode. They served absolutely no purpose on this episode. Imagine if Giselle Bryant made an appearance on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. You better goddamn with, or what does Dorinda say? You better live, love, listen. You better believe that Giselle Bryant is going to stir up some shit on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Not only is she friends with Kenya, she's real friends with Portia. She was invited to Cynthia's wedding. She knows all of those people. True. I would expect Giselle Bryant to have them people knucking and bucking before she left Buckhead. How about that? The way Katie and Lala basically came and asked Heather if she was getting any dick, and then we didn't see them anymore. Huh. It's, I guess that shows about the fate of uh, Vanderpump Rules. It's going to be just as boring as when y'all were there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this uh, I, I, that disappointed me because I feel like even as a person that wasn't really a fan of Vanderpump Rules, I was fully expecting them to come in and like start something and us to get like a surprise ending on this episode. But all we got to see was Heather spitting that game. Okay. Heather spit that game. She pulled that man completely sober and they left that party. She didn't have to throw that ass in a circle. She didn't have to do no car to be twerking. She didn't have to uh, let him know that she had some wop, wop, wop. She didn't have to do none of that. Heather pulled that man and within five minutes, they were walking out of their party. Heather, you the goat, and I and, and I love to see it, okay? A lot of these women would be faking like, oh, no. Think about Luann. Luann would not admit that she uh has sex with that pirate all of these years later. Will never admit it, even though we got Google Translate and we can figure out what the hell you saying on that phone in French. Even though we know that man was there and you told your friend to say that he wasn't, you still wouldn't admit it. Heather pulled that man on camera and was like, all right, y'all, I'll see you tomorrow. Deuce, deuce in a quarter. Uh, uh, make sure you save me some eggs and bacon that you know Heather don't play about her food. Now, make sure you save me some of the little uh, breakfast potatoes. I'm going to need a little salsa to go on and tell them to bring the Tabasco. You know, put a little dab, dab, dab of that on there. Give me a few, some eggs. You know, sunny side up. She strikes me as a sunny side up kind of girl. Give me some bacon. Make sure it's the rice bacon. I don't want no damn king cotton. And you know, I, Heather... You become more and more relatable on this show every single week, and I love everything about it. You might be my new favorite. If Mary ever stops being a train wreck, you go definitely have my number one spot. How about that? Okay, so y'all, I know you're probably thinking I'm going to spend a lot more time talking about Potomac than I am, but honestly, it's really only two things in this reunion I want to talk about. You, if you If you remember about an hour ago, I told y'all that I was going to get in Ashley Darby's ass. I actually wanted to get in Monique's ass too for about a certain section. And then I want to talk about, of course, that explosive ending because that's what we're all talking about. And then I want to kind of get in on this whole Jamal Bryant thing. (laughs) But other than that, the Bachelorette was like, you know, that was my main thing this week. It was so much of it that the Bachelorette kind of took over. But overall, this is a solid week of reality TV. Potomac, Potomac, Potomac. Let me tell you 
my hot button issue. So there was a section where they talked about kind of Ashley versus Wendy. And then the word colorism was brought up. And Ashley read, I mean, no, chat, what's the man name? And Andy. Andy read a question from a viewer that basically said, do you feel like colorism was at play uh, with the way y'all were constantly referring to Wendy as aggressive? And then Ashley Darby and Monique opened their mouths to act like colorism doesn't exist on this show. As if, uh, no, that is the most far-fetched thing they've ever heard. Yada, yada, yada. When all of us, I can't tell you how many, you know, being a podcaster, being, you know, some, I'd run an Instagram account too. All this stuff, you know, I have conversations with people all day long. Other podcasters, other Instagram accounts, uh, people that listen to the podcast, everything. One of the prevailing things, especially among me, or, you know, amongst me and other black people is how we feel like colorism comes into play a lot on Potomac, but that's not a question that we're ready to have with the mainstream yet. You know, it's got to be brought up in mainstream for us to want to deal with it sometimes. The fact that they were just so floored by what she was asking and Ashley put it all off on, well, no, I said she was being aggressive because she was aggressive and yada, yada, yada. And they, Wendy kind of saw right through it. You were using all of these, what Wendy referred to as buzzwords, you know, the words of the moment. You were using all of that, directing it towards her. But you've been in arguments with everyone on this show, and that word has never come up before. You never used ferocious and aggressive to describe other cast members until it was brought to Wendy and was brought to Candace. It's really kind of flooring to me that you don't understand the point that she was trying to make and how y'all were just acting like... Oh, I don't know. Well, what about when she called me hood rat and all like that? Listen, to me, it's entirely different things. When someone was just violently, you know, hitting the head four times, had their hair snatched and all like that. And the person that was, uh, that was the victim yells out that you're ghetto because you were fighting in a public place. To me, that makes a little more sense than, you know, you looking at a dark skinned woman and wanting to call her aggressive and ferocious just because she got loud with you in an argument. Wendy never put her hands on Ashley. Ashley never felt threatened by Wendy because Wendy wasn't trying to make her feel threatened. Ashley was the first one to elevate her voice during that argument. And somehow the darker skinned Wendy is still the aggressor in that conversation. That shit has blown my mind from the beginning. And the real reason is not only is Ashley light skinned, she's now had a baby and y'all have somehow martyred her. I don't know when this happened, but y'all have made her into this mother Teresa Malala <laughs> kind of figure on this show as if Ashley hasn't done more to justify ass whooping on this show for the past five years. Y'all constantly talk about how Candace was justified in getting her ass beat, but y'all never want to talk about Ashley digging up Robin's finances, Ashley attacking Karen and uh, Uncle Ben's relationship, Ashley going after uh, Giselle and whatever man she's dating, 
Ashley uh, attacking Candace, and you know Ashley has done a lot on this show. And last year, we all felt like she deserved everything that Candace was given to her that she had given to those cast members prior. Now she's had a baby, and somehow she is the long lost mother of Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, the mother was immaculate conception, and you know she's Mary and all of this. And, and uh, listen, I don't buy it. I never have bought it. I never will buy it. Buy these nuts. You know? <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it. And that whole conversation just floored me. Not only that, I think my biggest thing was okay. Let's say they were totally off topic or, you know, if you didn't believe what they were saying, you don't think that was the reason you still don't have to discredit or attempt to discredit everything that person is saying just because your experience isn't what that person's experience is. That's no, you don't need to diminish it because what in the end of the day, what does that accomplish? If other black people are telling you about their experiences that are different from yours because of the color of their skin, because of where they were raised, because of their socioeconomic, uh, uh, their, their status. I don't, it's weird as hell to me that the thing that they did in that moment, instead of saying, I can see why you would perceive it that way. Let me say this. And then I hate that people are doing these comments towards you. They went about completely dismissing everything Wendy was saying. And that was my big hot butt. That that stuck out to me more than anything with that binder that Monique did in this episode. And I hate it when black people try to malign or try to downplay other black people experiences because it's something that they haven't experienced. You're not going to tell me, Ashley Darby that people have gotten into your DMs and called you a black bitch and you need to do this and you're aggressive and all like that because apparently they haven't let you tell it. And you're not going to sit there and tell me that you don't believe that kind of stuff is happening to Wendy when you've been the one perpetuating all of this online. You said it on Twitter after the episode how aggressive she was being and all like this as if you didn't start that whole thing. I, I don't know. I'm just floored by this whole conversation and I'm glad that this subject was brought up on camera because if it wasn't that whole thing when Wendy would have just been perceived as the aggressive ferocious one without it being called out that these are triggers amongst the black community and you constantly saying this kind of stuff that's another thing that floored me they act as if they didn't know that these kind of tropes and these kind of uh, stereotypes and these kind of uh, discriminations were out there against black people and that Wendy is the first one to experience this. I don't, that whole section blew my mind. I couldn't tolerate it, but I'm glad that they brought it up on the show because just like Atlanta is talking about all the protests that were going on, this is another big discussion that needs to happen, not just amongst the black community, but amongst everybody. They need to know that this is something that happens within minority communities and that darker is often more seen as uh, farther away from godliness, basically. The closer to light, the the closer to white. The closer to white, the closer to right. Whichever one you want to say, dark ain't it, basically. So I'm glad they brought this colorism issue to the the forefront of this episode. I just, I had to get that off my chest because that has been what I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast all week. That shit blew 
my mind and I need Ashley Darby specifically. Monique, you need a taste too because you are darker than Ashley, but you, I, I guess you don't see it that way because you called yourself caramel before they can even, you know, talk about uh, the color of people's skin. So I, I don't even know what to say to you, honestly, but Ashley, you are married to a white man. So you're automatically perceived a certain way by the black community. So I know you've gotten comments calling you everything from uh, the white man's whore to a bed wench, whatever people want to call you. So it is baffling to me why you would try to so easily dismiss someone else's comments. And my favorite thing, I remember uh, when this first aired, I immediately, and then I think I talked about it with Taria from uh, the What Else Is Going On podcast. The first thing immediately that I thought about was on this past virtual Atlanta reunion where they brought up Eva. I think they got an audience question and Eva said, or they asked Eva, why uh, did you feel it was appropriate to call your castmates little nappy heads or something like that? And then Kenya, you know, Eva basically, basically kind of said, you know, I'm in this community and that's colloquialisms that we use and we're not going to sit up here and pretend like that's not something that happens in our community. Kenya retorted immediately and she said, listen, Eva, I, I get it because I don't think you meant it in a malicious way. I think you were just trying to be funny. But the thing is, when a lighter skinned woman like you with the pretty green eyes says this about your darker skinned castmates, it can come off a certain way. I know that's not how you meant it because I know you, but we have to be conscious about these things, you know, being given a platform. Eva automatically said, you know what? I see where you're coming from because I, I do understand that. And you're right. But then she said some shit, you know, I, I, that's not how I meant it or whatever. And you know, her, I, maybe it's because Kenya is the one that said it to him. That could be the difference that it was, you know, a friend telling her as opposed to Wendy, who is basically Ashley's enemy, telling her. Who, look, my damn throat is dry. <laughs> this whole that that whole thing was just, it was too much. But it made me think of that Eva and uh, Kenya situation, and I feel like Atlanta usually. I maybe it's because Atlanta has been the minority franchise for so long that they know how to tackle those kind of things. And they're so used to talking about things like colorism and racism and prejudice and all these kind of things that you would expect a housewives franchise surrounding minority characters to discuss it. It's a lot. It was a damn lot. Let's go on to Monique and this binder. Monique shows up with a binder that she doesn't pull out really until the end of the episode. It becomes a certain point where she's ready to, you know, kind of go at Giselle. <laughs> you know, her and Giselle don't see it for each other, never have. And Ashley, not Ashley. I'm butchering all these names right now. My throat is so dry. Y'all just got to bear with me. Monique talks about how, uh, you know, her family has been under attack and it it kind of comes out of the blue. I'm not sure what started all this, but she's ready to basically go in. Her and Karen obviously kind of came into the reunion, you know, which is not new to, to Housewives. Usually Housewives call each other the days leading up to the reunion, talking about how they're going to handle it. 
uh, will they be going after somebody? You know, that's, that's not new. So Karen and Monique, obviously, they're good friends. They talked ahead of time that they were going to, you know, get Giselle. For some reason, I guess, you know, I don't know if there was a, people actually thought that uh, Giselle needed a storyline to save her job. or whatever. I, I've never seen Giselle's job in danger. Nobody on Potomac really, I don't think, is in danger. But Giselle definitely, I don't think Giselle and Karen have had to worry about losing their job for a long time. I could see them automatically having jobs until like season 10 of this show. Otherwise, I think they're good. Look, just, uh, what's the girl's damn name? Shit, Monique. <laughs> Monique goes on this kind of tirade saying that, uh, uh, Pastor Holy Whore <laughs> Jamal Bryant. That shit was kind of funny, but Giselle Bryant, uh, your man is going around slinging that big D all around Atlanta, and that uh, he's had a whole girlfriend that's reached out to me. He didn't know if he was working on his family or not, and so this woman was confused. She read out Giselle, uh, Jamal's number, and it was like a, it was a vicious attack, but it was one that she felt was. Warranted. She feels like Giselle has been attacking her family. You know, so I guess we'll learn more about the behind the scenes next week. You know, for those of us that have been out there kind of listening to all this, we know that, you know, uh, they've accused Gigi and Sharice and Giselle of spreading these lies about their families. Basically, the one that Giselle said at the beginning of the season that Monique was fucking a trainer and uh, that her youngest son wasn't Chris's, even though he looks just like Chris. So that, that rumor wouldn't even bother me. I'm like, girl, look at him. We don't even need DNA tests. Look at this damn boy. He looked just like Chris. Child, fast forward to tonight. Jamal brought, this was, this was the development I could have never seen coming. I couldn't see this with my eyes closed. You know, just, I thought Jamal would just be like, you know, I'm on, I'm doing other things. I got a whole church that I got to give a sermon to on Sunday. And y'all over here talking about some damn reality TV. Well, child, Jamal said, look, <laughs> I got to clear my good name. Not your good name, Jamal. <laughs> I don't know about your good name, but you got to clear your name. How about that? It was it was a lot. He, let me give y'all, I'm not going to, because the video was kind of long, but I'm going to just give y'all kind of the, the gist of it. One thing, he, he kind of directs some things at uh, Monique. He says that you have my number, but I have your address. But I would never uh, put that out there, you know, basically saying I would never stoop so low as to do that. He says uh, people have been telling him, Jamal, please don't respond to uh, Chris or Monique because Chris has CTE and he has a lot of like violent outbursts and episodes that go along with having CTE. Now, let me do a brief interlude. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to cover on this podcast was sports as well. I just haven't really found a way to incorporate sports into it yet. The Dallas Cowboys are so goddamn depressing this year. I don't want to talk about their asses. <laughs> so maybe when the Warriors come up, maybe I'll bring somebody on and we'll talk about sports every now and then. Just a little recap. But I... Ugh. He said, if you, for all of you that don't know, CTE is this kind of degenerative brain disease that they think is caused from playing football for so many years. They basically think that, you know, you can't diagnose it while someone is alive. The only way to know that someone has it is if they actually die and you do an autopsy on them. 
So it's, you know, a lot of people do think that a lot of football players suffer from it. According to Jamal, he's been contacted by a ton of Chris's teammates who believe that he has CTE and he has these kind of, uh, you know, all this is alleged, of course, that he has these kind of uh, outbursts and these episodes and all this kind of stuff. So he's basically, I guess, going back and forth with Monique trying to, you know, say, uh, don't talk about my family. I won't talk about your child. This is a whole, this is a whole mess. Uh, a whole pastor is arguing with a reality TV star. This is a lot more mess than I'm used to. I just want to go out there. I want to throw it out there that all this is alleged. Obviously, I can't prove none of this. I don't know if Jamal can prove any of it or Monique can prove any of it. I don't, I don't damn know. But look, Jamal invited his damn, oh, by the way, CTE is a uh, chronic traumatic what is it? Encephalopathy? It's something like that. Just so y'all know. If y'all want to look it up, CTE. But it's a whole thing. Like This isn't just like new. He's not just making up something. If you watch football, you know, we all have heard this kind of controversy surrounding CTE. They made a Will Smith movie about it. I never went to see it because he got real bad reviews. But they try to give all the Will Smith movies bad reviews. I might go back and look at that. I oh, don't know. Maybe. Probably not. I got other shit to watch. Anyway, he he said something about he had an episode. He had footage of Chris allegedly attacking someone at a safe way. Uh, he said that he's not going to put the video out there, but instead he's contacted Monique and Chris's pastor and have gotten him involved instead so that Jamal can stay out of and said Jamal's worried about their well-being and stuff like that. He also invited his congregation to watch the episode uh, part two to see how aggressive Chris allegedly is on this part two reunion. Listen, <laughs> this is too much for me. Y'all gangbanging in Potomac, and I was only used to gangbanging in, uh, on Love and Hip Hop but if y'all go gangbang, I guess I'm going to watch. Listen, y'all, that's all I got. I'm so goddamn tired. The Between Jamal Bryant, Monique Samuels, uh, Bennett. I don't know how Bennett got in this, but Bennett always in it. Ben, too. Tasia, her and her ashy knees. All of this is just, oh, it's been a lot. This has been a long week. But I want to know what you guys thought. Do you think Monique went too far at the reunion by exposing Giselle's and uh, Jamal's relationship? Or do you think she didn't go far enough? Do you think that Heather is the MVP in Salt Lake City and that she should keep getting that black D whenever she wanted? Do you think that Tasia is going to wind up with Ivan next week or Brendan next week or Zach next week? I want to know all of that. Send me all of your opinion. What do you think about Drew Sedora? What do you think about Latoya Ali? I want to know all of that. Email me at housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram so you can see my wonderful holiday video series, The 12 Days of Controversy, at Housewives Marvel Podcast on Instagram. I look forward to hearing from you guys, and I'll see you next week. See ya! It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. 
Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.